0: On behalf of Miss Lisa, Miss Virginia, and all the adults that work with your kids, thank you kids so much for all the hard work you put into that. That was really good. You really blessed us with all the music and the play and and everything like that. So um, if if there are still kids uh, out there that want to be dismissed to Children's Church, we do have a short Children's Church. Um, I'm I'm not going to preach too long. The nicer I dress, the shorter I preach because I get hot really quick. So I'm going to preach real short tonight. Um, But if you, but kids, you can, if if you want to go to children's church, you can be dismissed right now. Miss Lisa's in the back. She'll, she'll take you back. Um, So I did want to cede most of my time to the kids. They did a great job. Uh, Tonight's primarily our kids program, but I did want to share just a short uh, Christmas message with you. And so uh, we're going to keep going along. Uh, for the last two weeks, we've been talking about this one, this Christmas story in one sentence that Paul wrote in Galatians chapter 4. Just one sentence, he tells the whole Christmas story, um, how it happened and why it happened. And so we've covered some ground. Uh, we know that Paul said it came in the fullness of time. Uh, uh, there were lots of roads and it was an open time to share the gospel. And it came at a time between between the Old and the New Testament, when people were longing for something to hope for. That's when Jesus was born. Last week, we talked about the fact that he was born of a woman. And if you're a theologian, that means all kinds of things. Ma- mainly, it means that, that the reconciliation between God and man can happen. Sin broke God and man apart, but now through Jesus in one person, he's our law obeyer, our example, our substitute sacrifice, on and on. But we also stopped to think about... The fact that he was born of a woman, a, a real woman, a young lady named Mary, and she was just like us. She was, she was a sinner. She had hope. She needed a savior. And so we come to the, to the last phrase, or to the third, uh, second to last phrase in the passage, which is that Jesus was born under the law to redeem those who were under the law. And if you're a guest here tonight, and maybe, maybe you don't know a lot about Christianity, um, the word law pops up in the Bible all the time. And what law is, is, is maybe what you might think, it's all the rules in the Bible that God has set forward, that, that, that he, has, he has built for us to live a good life. And, and there are many of them, and we'll get into that in a second. But tonight, um, very briefly, I want to talk about the law in these three ways. Uh, Jesus and the fact that he was born under the law. The second thing, which is, is harder for us to believe, especially today, that we're enslaved to the law. And the third thing is that we can be freed from the law. Let's pray and we'll read our text out of Galatians chapter 4. God, thank you so much for those kiddos. Uh, they, they blessed us with their music and their, and their acting, Lord. Um, and it was also just a joy to see them worship and praise you through uh, their giftedness. From the little ones up to the, up to the young adults, Lord, I'm just so grateful for them. God, help us to, just in a few brief moments here, uh, look and see why, how it was that Jesus was born under the rules, under the Old Testament law, but that it didn't stop there, that he came to free us who were also under the law. So we thank you for Jesus, God. Help us to turn our ears toward your word now, in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so I'll read our passage again. Um, it's It's this short passage. It's right up on the screen. Just Galatians 4, verses 4 and 5. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. This is the word of the Lord. So let's talk about born under the law. So really quickly... Jesus Christ was a Jew. We know that in all kinds of ways. Maybe the primary way is a couple of the Gospels that begin with genealogies say that that his roots can get traced all the way back to King David, to Abraham, to even to Adam and Eve in the garden. So Jesus was a Jew, and we see him living the Jewish life uh, when when he was a young boy and then also when he grows up to be a man but in the Christmas story, we also get a little hint of this. The idea that Jesus was born under the law, meaning he was somebody who was, was expected to and required to obey all the Old Testament laws. So after we hear about Mary treasuring these things, I've, I've never preached in front of a manger before. This is, this is great. This is a good experience for me. After we read in Luke chapter 2 about Mary at the manger, and she treasured these things in her heart, And the shepherds went forth, and they were giving glory to God. Right after that comes a part of the Christmas story we read through pretty quick. But it sort of proves the point of Galatians 4. It says this, At the end of eight days, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. And when the time had come for their purification according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, as it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord, and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. So I don't want to spend a lot of time here, but in, in this short paragraph, we see that Jesus' parents, Mary and Joseph, were Jews who were doing their best to obey those Old Testament rules. And some of these you might know, and some of them may sound very strange to you, but there's four rules here in, in these three verses. At the end of eight days when he was circumcised, well, why do they tell us that? Why do they tell us what day Jesus was circumcised on? Do you, do you care? Do you need that information? Well, no, they're, they're showing us Mary and Joseph were obeying the law. There's a rule for Jews, and in that time, on, on the eighth day, The uh, the flesh of the foreskin shall be circumcised. This is a rule for them. They also had a tradition where you would name the baby on the eighth day. So we see that with John the Baptist, and it happened with Jesus. They give him the name Jesus. And then a little bit later, it says, when the time came for their purification according to the law of Moses. What does that mean? Leviticus 12, this is another law they were keeping. They were obeying a rule, which says this. If a woman conceives and bears a male child, she shall be unclean for seven days. Then the woman must wait 33 days to be purified." So maybe this is a stretch, but call this like ancient maternity leave. This is essentially a law saying, if a woman's had a baby, let's give her about 40 days until she comes back into the temple and worships. So they're obeying this. They're not just in Bethlehem for the night. She needs to stay for 40 days. A little bit later, it says, they brought him up to to, uh, Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. That's just an echo of what it says in Exodus 13. Every firstborn needs to be presented to the Lord. Every firstborn is his. And then lastly, They offered a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord. In their case, they give a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. And we won't read all this, but but this is what what it says also in Leviticus 12. When you're done having the baby, bring in a a sheep as a burnt offering and a pigeon as a sin offering. If you can't afford a lamb, then, then she shall take two turtle doves or two pigeons, one for a burnt offering and the other for a sin offering. The priest shall make atonement for her, and she shall be clean." And then how does our story end? How does the Christmas story end? When do they finally pack up and go home? For us, d- parents, was this you? Uh, when we were in the hospital, we had to have a dirty diaper to go home. That was the, that was the standard. When could you go home? As soon as Luke had a dirty diaper. That's, that's the standard they gave us. Or as soon as mom and the baby are both healthy. When did Mary and Joseph go home? When they had performed everything according to the law of the Lord They returned into Galilee to their own town of Nazareth. So, all this to say, Jesus was born under the law. He was born to Jews who were required to obey the laws in the Old Testament. And some of them, admit it, Sounds strange to us. Uh, The the time of purification and sacrificing some birds after 40 days, right? I've got a picture. I I didn't have the time to type all these out, so I'm copy and pasting liberally from the uh, Jewish encyclopedia here. But the Old Testament, depending on who's doing the counting, has about 613 different laws. And so if you were a Jew, you were expected to know and obey all of these. So when, when, when Paul says he was born under the law, it's not a small thing. It's actually a very cumbersome and involved thing. And we look at this today, and you look at just... Just the visual, the magnitude of all of those laws. And you think, how cumbersome, how legalistic to try to live a life obeying all of this. But that's what what Jesus came into. And it says he came to save those who were under the law. So for the Jews who had this big burden that they could never really shoulder, Jesus came to take care of this problem. It's a good law. It asks for good things. They just couldn't do it. And so Jesus came to help with that. How? I'm going to get to that in a second. So that's how Jesus was born under the law. How is it that they, the the Jews in the Old Testament, and, and potentially we, us today, are enslaved by the law? So do we obey all of these rules? No, we don't. I haven't sacrificed turtle doves in a long time, and probably neither have you, right? There are many, and this this sort of gets thrown at Christians. It's like, well, what about this really strange law in Leviticus? There's plenty of those, right? And if you don't understand it, um, they seem very silly and archaic, right? But, so maybe let's scrap the 613. But we would say that time when Charlton Heston came down with the Ten Commandments, right? I mean, Moses came down with the Ten Commandments, right? That the Bible does have universal moral rules that are good and that we try to obey. This, so, so in a way, we're not totally different from those Old Testament people. Maybe we have fewer rules we try to obey, but we still are under law, meaning— We need to to act a certain way in order to be embraced in society. If you want to be a good person, you have to meet a couple of characteristics. You have to obey a couple of the norms. So here's how we're in trouble. You basically have three options today. If you want to be a good person, you have three options. And you're not going to like two of them. Here's your first option. This is for people who believe in God and they say, I don't know everything about the Bible and the Old Testament, but in general, I'm going to agree that God made everything and that God gets to say what's right and wrong. I think, I think he was right when he says, you shall not steal and some of those other things, right? That, this is option number one. If you believe in God and you want to obey his law, here is the way in which you are in trouble. You can't do it. You can't get, I'll, I'll wager you, you can't get past the first commandment. The first commandment, and I went to the King James because it feels right, the first commandment according to the King James translation says, thou shalt have no other gods before me. Let me just get an update from you. How are you doing with making God the most important thing in your life always? Everybody really good? (laughs) Everybody doing really well at that during the holiday season when it's all bananas, right? The law, when you really look at it, is extremely hard to obey. I'm cherry picking here. The fourth commandment, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. How's everybody's Sabbaths coming? The full day that you dedicate to the Lord and do no work. Everybody good on that one? Thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. The ninth commandment. How are we doing on that one, the the thou shalt not lie? And remember, it's not just absolute untruths that you say. It's like exaggerations or maybe telling a story where your side is slanted one way. How are we doing on that one? Is that a hard one for you to keep? And then the last one, thou shalt not covet. And then then the text goes on to all the types of things that you shouldn't covet. Um, Your neighbor's donkey, your neighbor's ox. This one is hard for me because my neighbor just got a really nice new ox Boy, that fell flat. It was funny in rehearsal. Um, no, it's, it's funny because none of us make it past the first commandment. None of us treasure God above everything else. By the time you get to the 10th, who, who is confident in this one? You shall not covet. So that's your first option. I'm a God believer and I'm going to try to obey the laws. Well, here's, here's the bad news. Good luck. You're not going to do it. You're going to perpetually fail, and you're going to say, I'm trying my best, but, but it's, it's mostly going to be a life of frustration and falling short. Option A, you're enslaved to the law because you cannot keep it. Option B, and this is a popular one, and it's growing in popularity in our culture. You can say, I don't believe in God anyways. I don't believe the Bible has any authority over me whatsoever. So, so I get to say what's right and wrong. And I get to be the judge, uh, the final judge of whether or not I'm a good person. Okay, this option has something attractive to it. It's not an outside uh, judge. It's basically you get to decide. Did you win the competition? Did you live a good life? Were you a good person? Well, here's your problem. You may sense some sort of freedom, uh, breaking away from the laws of God, God, the things that God says are good. Listen to what Paul says who just has his pulse on people, who knows how we work, says. When the Gentiles, so in that day, let's call them people who didn't believe in God or people who believed in a different God or many gods. When the Gentiles, who do not have the law, by nature do what the law requires, they are a law to themselves. So you may not have the 10 commandments hanging on your wall, but let me guess, your ethic probably somewhere says don't steal and don't murder, right? that it's bad to lie in in most cases, you end up having a very similar ethic to the Christian one, maybe with some differences. And then in verse 15, it says this, they show that the work of the law is written on their hearts while their conscience also bears witness. So if that's you, if you say, look, man, I don't fall under that stuff. I, I, I don't have to obey any God. I'm God in this scenario, here's your problem. You still end up finding your way back to the law. You have some kind of standard cherry pick all you want. You don't even live up to that standard. You aren't as good a person, a father, a mother, a son or daughter as you know you could be. Throw away God's standard, you know that. You're not as good as you could be. And then I've got these backwards, verse 12 obviously comes before verse 14, but here's a good summary of it. For all who have sinned without the law will also perish without the law. So those of you, maybe, that, maybe it's a small amount, or maybe you know somebody like this who say, I, I, I don't have to serve any God or obey any God. I get to make the rules. You're enslaved too. Because whatever standard you make, the law unto yourself, as Paul calls it, you fall short of that too. And you're going to end up just like option A, the first one, which is, I'm trying my best, but I feel like I'm not gaining any traction. I feel like I go back, and, I, and, I, and I'm not the person I know I need to be. Let's talk about being freed from the law. And that's our third option. And it's the best one. So in the first two, you're enslaved to it. You can't do it. You can't execute it like you want to. Here comes Jesus in the manger and... He's like us in so many ways, it's startling. At the end of that story, it talked about the the little baby fingers around around a a grown-up's finger. You ever experienced that? It's it's transcendent. I'm sure Mary experienced that. He was a baby just like the babies that you have held. He was like us in so many ways. He was a, a human with a mom and a dad. But there was something very strange about this Jesus, and that is he's the one person who throughout his whole life Never broke a single one of these. He did the impossible high wire act of, of, of living an absolutely perfect life. The thing you trick yourself into thinking you can do. Jesus actually does it. He goes from cradle to the grave and does not sin. And it's not just, you understand, it's not just that he checked off, oh, he, he, he got tempted four million times and he never, never succumbed to one of them. Check, 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 check. It's not just that he obeyed all of them. The New Testament writers talk about him like he wasn't just obeying them, he was kind of the main point of them. Like they were all pointing to who he was. Because remember, by the way, if you were a Jew, you had to keep all these laws and also do it with an earnest heart. And here comes this man who can do that. Not only obeys them to the letter, but he has the heart of God. He is God. God putting on The suit of a man, having flesh, being fully God and fully man. And so he obeys the obscure ones and the ones that are strange. And he also obeys the Charlton Heston ones, the ones that we would say are really, really important. The morality ones. He obeys all of them. And this is where in Galatians 4, again, it's a short sentence. But so far, we've mostly just gotten the biography, facts about Jesus. Uh, came at the fullness of time, born of a woman. We haven't, we, you and I haven't been mentioned yet in this passage. And the reason he came hasn't been mentioned in this passage until it says that he was born under the law to what? Redeem those who are under the law. What does that mean? This is the language of the market actually. It, don't think, there's, there's other words for um, savior or, or, or words that would have more maybe emotion or compassion. This is a transactional word. It means to pay. Exa, Exagorosa, my Greek is terrible, right? The EX on the front of that word is meant to emphasize it. It's, it's like, it's not just to buy. It's like to buy out, to, buy, to totally buy all of it. So Jesus obeys the law, fulfills the law, so that what can he do? So that he can buy us. So that he can somehow pay a price for all the times we don't check all the boxes, all the sin. And how does he do that? He does it at the cross. And so this is the good news of Christmas. Yes, he came to be with us. He came to have flesh so that we could interact with him and talk with him face to face. And so that we could know God in a way we could never know him before. But the story doesn't stop there. Because he grew up to be a man. And that man died on the cross. And though he didn't deserve it, he did it willfully as part of God's grand plan. Why? Not for any of the reasons people thought. When they thought the Messiah was coming, when they thought Jesus was the one they were waiting for, they were right about that, but they were wrong about what he came to get. They thought he was gonna buy real estate. Get us back Jerusalem. Get us back the temple. Get us back the promised land. We want you to buy the things we used to have under Solomon. We want a kingdom. And in this little sentence in Galatians 4, Paul says, He was born under the law so that He could buy you. He wants you. He paid the price for you. You sinned. You messed up. You're not going to live up to whatever standard it is you have. Jesus came to fix that. He suffered for that so that He could buy you back, so that you could be in the presence of the Father. What does He ask of you? What does it cost you? To have the God of heaven and earth pay such a price. Faith. Believe in him. Follow him. That's all he asks. So this is the first time in Paul's really short story it says why Jesus Christ came. And now we know, and maybe you've known a while, but it's never been a personal thing for you. He came to die. He came to die for you. And he came to die that you might be free. And that's your third option. You will be a slave to the standards of the world. You will be a slave to the standards of the Bible if you don't know him. But if you do, if you truly know him, that truth will set you free. You will be a son or a daughter of God. That's the good news of Christmas. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for this word we certainly don't always feel as though we are enslaved. In fact, you might, being Americans in the, in, in the modern day, we feel very free. We feel as though we're in control of so many things in our lives. And yet, God, you've, you've put something in our hearts that convicts us. And we know we're not living up either to your standards or even our own standards, God. And so we're going to continue to be enslaved to the law, to the rules, until we turn to you. But God, I'm so thankful that there is not only a hope for freedom, but there is total, pure freedom available in Jesus to all who believe at any moment we choose to believe. God, for some in this room, that happened many years ago. I pray that would be the treasure they have in their hearts this Christmas, remembering the time you set them free. But Lord, I I also know there may be some here tonight who really, as best they can, are trying to live a good life. They're trying to do good by their family, by their culture, maybe even by your word. Lord, I pray you would set them free. Give them faith in your son, that he might be their righteousness, that he might take their sin. What a good gospel we have. Thank you for coming down in the form of a baby to save us from our sins. In Jesus' name, amen.